But I would like to say how sorry I am for being so insistent, and so obstinate, and getting so angry. In fact, I acted stupidly. That's not surprising with you. I'm very sorry. I don't feel very well. <coughs> That's probably why you're in bed. You know, Jean, as it turned out, we were both right. What about? About, well, you know, the same thing. I'm sorry to bring it up again, but I'll only mention it briefly. I just wanted you to know that in our different ways, we were both right. It's been proved now. There are some rhinoceroses in the town with two horns, and some with one. That's what I told you! Well, that's just too bad. Yes, too bad. Or maybe it's all to the good. It depends. In the final analysis, it doesn't matter much which comes from where. The important thing, as I see it, is the fact that they're there at all. Because... I don't feel well. I don't feel well at all. Uh, I am sorry. What do you think it is? I don't know exactly. There's something wrong somewhere. Do you feel weak? Not at all. On the contrary, I feel full of beans. I meant just a passing weakness. It happens to everybody. It never happens to me. Well, perhaps you're too healthy then. Too much energy can be a bad thing. It unsettles the nervous system. My nervous system is in perfect order. I'm sound in mind and limb. I come from a long line of... I know you do. Perhaps you've just caught a chill. Have you got a temperature? I, I don't know. Yes, probably I have a touch of fever. My head aches. Just a slight migraine. Would you like me to leave you alone? No! Stay. You don't worry me. The theater! The theater! Theater. To be or not to be. Theater. Theater. The planes ascend. We did it. Oh, we did it. <laughs> We've done nothing, Scott. We're back. Scott throws over the table. <laughs> Life is meaningless. It's all absurd. It's all absurd. Speaking of that, um, uh, CJ puts ties on her cat. Yeah. Uh huh. Percy D- don't be times. proud of it. That that's it's animal abuse. It's cruel. I also have a black bow tie for red carpet events. What if the cat made <laughs> you dress like it? Huh? I mean, the clown. I've dressed like a cat before. Mm, no, that's not. <laughs> Was what it I mean. to go see the movie Cats? <laughs> I still haven't seen that fucking movie. I still movie. haven't seen it either, Mm-mm. guys. First I of all, we're gonna have to cover uh, it at some point, hold right? On. I yeah. We're gonna cover it because I, I <laughs> now saw we're gonna it. fucking cover it. The first time I saw it was like opening weekend because I wanted to make sure I saw the unedited version. Right. So yeah, I've seen the silly the, with, version with the butts, with the buttholes. There's, you can see the buttholes. You <gasps> they can have see pencil sharpeners of, in that. They had like a little. Uh, they had problems with the feet. The feet were all over the place, like sliding <laughs> around and shit. Um, <laughs> There were Starbucks cups everywhere. And then I wanted to see what it looked like after the edit, and it wasn't much better. But when I went the second time, the place was full of people in full Rocky Horror-type cat drag, 
and we're going Cat nuts. Drag. It was awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of I pet feel drag, like I feel like I would say something provocative to those people. Yeah. Uh, I would say something no, snide and they were there ironically. Burden. Like they turned to you and go <laughs> They were hissing. No, they were screaming things. It was like Rocky Horror. They were screaming things the whole movie. Like they knew what to say at each moment. They'd be like, oh, it doesn't matter. Welcome to Theater Theater. <laughs> the theater podcast for theater people made by three theater nerds from the LA theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Burcham. I'm CJ Merriman. I'm Scott Leggett. And each week we get together to discuss, debate, and disseminate the evolutions of the great playwrights by taking a macro look at three of their plays. This week we begin our uh, no we don't we we don't begin we don't begin actually yeah. time is time doesn't exist so yeah doesn't we begin mean our anything. time is a construct and it will devour us all high thoughts by Scott <laughs> um, I'm not high <laughs> uh, I'm I am as sober as sober can fucking be uh, but we do we're on our second episode and the final episode of our mini series Rhinocer cast the works of Eugene Ionesco Ionesco Ion S Co however you want to fucking say it uh, this is episode two where we will be finishing our discussion on the chairs and covering rhinoceros last episode we covered the bald soprano and began our discussion on the chairs check that one out if you haven't be weird if you're listening to part I only want to listen to half a discussion about one thing and a full discussion about <laughs> another thing. I'm real specific about my podcast. I only listen to part twos. Listen, I never listen, listen to part ones. If you consistently listen to our part twos, though, we appreciate it. We do because they're probably just here. They're only here for the the dream rolls and the ba Bailey loves ranking shit. That's yeah. Why they're they're, here. they're <laughs> Bailey stands. They're Bailey stands. Well, stands they just like Bailey ranking stands. shit too. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I but get we all, it. We all stand, Bailey. Um, wait. Um, so we started, we got pretty surface level about the chairs last time. Mm -hmm. uh, got into some basic uh, discussion about it. But one thing, and I, I time doesn't exist, so we can uh, do anything we want. I want to go ahead and talk about the ending, the orator speech. Mm -hmm. Because... The orator speech, quote-unquote. Because correct me if I'm wrong, this feels very much like the failed speech of Lucky in Waiting for Godot. Oh. I didn't th even think of that. In a way. Well, interesting. I wonder if Fight he's, me. Let's if go. he's maybe, if he's maybe uh, tipping the hat or giving an acknowledgement. That's what I think. It reminds me... The bit reminds me of um, the Princess Bride. It's the slow, the slow pan in, yeah, on yeah. on the Reverend, and then and then like because it just it's, does a death rattle and right, and then just dies. You know, yeah. It's it's <laughs> well. What's funny is that it also. I remember the first time I read it or saw it that it felt like, oh, he's gonna he's going to show us Godot. Yeah. We hear about the orator through the whole fucking thing. Mm. Oh, and they, they keep talking mm -hmm. about it, keep talking about it. And I'm like, and then he shows up and I'm like, well, at first he, the emperor shows up. Right. And it's a big fanfare. The emperor quote, end quote. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I, first of all, I, I, I always think it's balls and I always am enamored of these type of roles, like as an actor. So you've probably sat through an hour, 10 hour, 15 minutes at least of these two people on stage 
running around like maniacs. Yeah. And then finally another actor shows up at the yeah. end and then like bl- kind of blows your mind a little bit. Yeah. Like it's, it's, um, but I'm wondering, uh, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting observation, Bailey. I'm wondering if he, you know, if he might be tipping his hat a little bit. But it's what you're saying. It's the, it's the sort of like, we're waiting on someone this whole time and finally someone else comes in and it's lucky in Pozo right in Godot yeah we finally get them Pozzo whatever however you want to say it mm. um and uh <laughs> and with this one it's the same deal you're like oh these are these new characters or are they showing us the Godot of it all oh right. it is the orator mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. okay what's he gonna say oh we nothing he just dies okay <laughs> right 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 like, and it's almost yeah. the meaningless because this is it's called a tragic farce mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. so it it does have that Gadoshian nature of they're waiting on something that's never coming, but that thing does come. Hmm. Is it in their mind? Is it real? Are we in the Twilight Zone? Happy Twilight Zone, everybody! <laughs> Happy Twilight, Twilight Zone day, everybody! It's, it's, yeah, it's nice, nice, nice get, like nice that? get. I like that, Bailey. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, yeah no, it's well here done. at Theater Theater, we care about international holidays. That's right. Last week it was International Masturbation Day. This week it's International Twilight Zone Day. <laughs> Does the rest of the world give a fuck about eh. the Twilight Zone? <laughs> Some people love that shit. I've seen a couple of the old things, but hey, it's never I love back. anything anthology. Like I, I'm all about that stuff. I loved Goosebumps as a kid. Mm, oh, fun. I had all those books. R.L. Stein, Fear yeah. Street. Yes, mm-hmm. I was a big R.L. Stein. Got stan. into Christopher Pike when I wanted to read about sex a little bit. There you go. <gasps> it was like yeah. Judy Bloom was my gateway to hey. sex. That was the first Whoa. time. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, I, I know the the fudge. I know fudge and the. No, she wrote some, she wrote some young adult stuff that has like um, got it like like hand jobs and stuff like that. So. See, that was somebody Lewis, was talking about it. Louis Sakar for me, the guy who wrote mm-hmm. Holes. He also uh, wrote uh, Holes. <laughs> yeah, Holes, like, like the Shia LaBeouf movie, like the Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> I just you said, talking about stuff that like did sexy stuff and you said holes and I'm just no, like, he wrote sorry. something. It was called crash. And I read it when I was maybe like 10 and I was like, this is so cool. And I, I think it was by him anyway, but it was the first book I ever read where one chapter was just like two words. And I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> this is so deep. Yeah. And he's talking about like it's the sexy edgy. girl across the street. And I was like, whoa. Oh yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. The cover was a baby with a mustache. That's all I remember. Anyway. <laughs> uh, d- d- digression. Uh, Brian Krasner still refers to Shia LaBeouf as holes. <laughs> the first whole career. Hey, it's Shia holes. LaBeouf, actual cannibal. Hole, hole, holes has a, has a new movie. It's holes. holes. That's funny. <laughs> uh, great, great movie. Tim Blake Nelson gives a phenomenal performance. Yeah, holes is a good flick. It, Shall it we cover is. holes in an stuff? I'll probably good. throw it on there. At some point. <laughs> Sigourney Weaver. Um, I'm just going to make holes jokes the whole time. We could connect that. It's got, it's got Sigourney. <laughs> It's got Sigourney Weaver. She's she's Durang's best friend. We can connect that to yeah, theater all day. All right, yeah, can, and then yeah. we can talk about Rick and Morty. And then we can talk about how Shia LaBeouf has a theater company in um, in uh, South Central LA. That's right. And then um, is now under investigation for uh, abuse. So that's another thing. Um, 
Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. So oh, if, we, uh, if we digress back to the chairs, uh, yep. part of me also, I think he, he, Ionesco, Ionesco, Ion, Esco, uh, is, he does it subtly. He's not overt about it, but he does mock faith a little bit. He mocks yep. religion uh, a bit. And I think that part of the orator showing up is um, prayer, unfulfilled prayers coming back to haunt people kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I mean, that was, I mentioned it in the last episode, that was even more so where I got the whole feeling of like, none of these people give a shit about the community that they're supposed to be leading or in charge of. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I felt like I felt like he was very mad in this play at something or someone or society or something. Sure. Yeah, there's an aggression here. <laughs> well, I think, you know, it, an aggression here. Cuz he was like what, here. 45 when he wrote this. So, yeah, I think it's it's definitely the darkest of his plays. Like even Exit the King has got some and there's there's some funny stuff in this like it's not did, and it it comes off as as a farce like when you when you watch it like I talked about in part 1 I have seen two productions one that was an uh, significantly older pair of actors who couldn't quite um maintain the 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 lines and 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 the physicality of it and then right. another one where uh, two actors probably in their 60s were were aged up and were able to execute it cuz my god when you read the stage directions for the poor old woman like mm-hmm. she does the majority of the, the of the chair lifting yeah. and especially well, and he's choreographed it too like go in this door come out this door yeah he's this. very right, specific yeah. about which, it and which a good farce in my opinion you almost have to. Many doors. To. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. Door to, farce, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I just read a, um, and involved with a brand new farce that a friend of ours wrote, Patrick Duffy. And uh, and that's he's kind of that specific about it. Like the, there, is a, there is a bureau here that where, where one person can be in and this person comes out of this door and this person, you have to do it. You have to map it, it out. Noises off does not work unless you do exactly what's in that script. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. there's yeah. just really, it's a math problem. It's an yeah. equation. Yeah. For it's, sure. It's choreography. I, it's really right. a challenge to, uh, you know, for blocking, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of somebody brought this up the other day. He's like, have you noticed like the art of blocking? Maybe it's a generational thing with directors has gotten, it's gotten a little bit more vague. It's like, well, why don't you try moving over here? Yeah. And I remember there were days where I had like early days where I had directors who were, you know, in their fifties when I was in my twenties going, okay, on this line, you move here on this line, you yeah. move here. And like, I, you don't quite experience that. Well, at least I, I think, haven't recently. No, I, I agree. I, there's kind of a, this great example where there were these three teachers at Hogwarts that were, um, uh, very different directors from each other. And it was kind of known that they were different because one was obsessed with organic blocking. Mm-hmm. Meaning like it's all on the actor and he sets yeah, it at some point. As an actor, that frustrates goes, me. 
it's very frustrating for a lot of actors. It really <laughs> is to be just sort of like you figure it out in the space. And it's like, that's a whole other side of work that I'm not, I'm trying to learn my lines. I'm trying to uh, learn my character. I'm trying to build uh, a connection with the other person. And you want me to think about like my spatial awareness too. It's great. It's fine. But it's like, or you can build it together, which is mm -hmm. sort of the happy medium, which was uh, the Beatty Pettigrew way of doing it. And then if you, and then the other way is like militant, like, no, exactly like what you're saying Scott this exactly on this line you have to do this and if you don't do it I'm gonna pick, pick, pick up the glass on this line on this yeah. line you pick up the gun on this line you yeah and for farce militance is good yeah because it's going to set that tone that pace that moment but outside of farce I think and and we should say there is a place for organic blocking. I think devised pieces oh, sure, can sure. be organic. Absol That's oh, a, yeah, you know? absolutely, absolutely. But when you start tapping into more like uh, uh, things that have more of a a uh, plot to them or a linear mm -hmm. drive, stage pictures really matter, mm -hmm. and actors can't see those stage pictures, so it, right. because they're in them. So you have to, as a director, give them some guidance at least to lead them somewhere. Because that organic blocking at some point is going to bite you in the ass and just look like a devised organic thing, which can be real, but most of the time isn't, you know? Our, our rule of thumb at Webster, I took one year of directing and I've directed two or three times since I came out here. But the rule was, is you do pre-blocking. You show up with an idea yeah. and then, of course, it's going to change and shift and everything. But... Boy, I got to tell you, it's helped me get through rehearsals way faster just coming up and having an idea. Yeah. And half the time I give the blocking out and I was like, well, this doesn't look the way I wanted it to. But Right. I'm and it's the, the director as collaborator thing is the idea that the director comes in with, with blocking and a set vision and an idea that is then expounded upon and, and morphed by the rest of the collaborators, mm -hmm. right? right? And you allow that as a director. So that's why you, it, you can't be so militant about it. Organic, it doesn't work so much either. But then like, CJ, I've, I was actually talking about this uh, with Rachel the other day, just about like how we, there, there is a, a problem especially in musical theater and regional theater with choreographers who come in not having it already choreographed I, you know that's why i didn't get into choreography until like i was 30 yeah and half of my half of my experience with choreography and directing and stage managing for that for that matter has been like I've been in so many situations where I'm like, I think I could maybe do a better job than this person. And I've been in so many situations where the choreographer has walked in the room and said, we're going to make this all up together. And yeah, I, hate, I that. hate that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because it, it doesn't make you feel like they have you. It doesn't well, I'm just like, you didn't do any work, did you? You didn't want to do... Right, it's a laziness thing, door. but it also creates a distrust. It creates this huge gap where I'm like, oh, so you don't have my my back you right. won't catch me when i fall because you mm -hmm. didn't do the pre-work that I, nothing's I, written down i mean i also like i'm a big math nerd with choreography like i have all of my counts written out in eight counts before i even start and it does it changes from time to time but then then when i forget something i'm like let me look back at my notes am i being interviewed yeah. right now since i'm going to help you out with choreography on something possibly <laughs> <laughs> yeah basically i mean no but that's what it is is that it's sort of like the choreographer has to 
have the vision too and they have to have already worked with the director prehand too about the vision you can't just walk in with bullshit and you also can't just walk in with nothing and expect it to be built by the actors the dancers, and the, and the director it's just not how it works and they especially in regional theater it's a huge issue because they're getting paid really well they're getting paid and they're not being they're hired a week union. before Right. Like that's the thing is that seasons are announced. People are you know, are hired ahead of time and do your fucking work. You can throw your yeah. work away. And sometimes that's a great thing. It, you know, I've had some amazing things happen as a director and as a director working with a choreographer. Yeah. Oh, this is this is what we're trying to do. This is what we're the, the goal of this song in this moment is to do this. And they come in. The choreographer comes in well prepared. I come in well prepared. I've got the stage picture picked out. She understands or the, he understands the movement that's going on. They understand the movement that's going on. And then we go, that, no, but what this guy's doing in the back, that's fucking badass. And let's adapt it that way. Yeah. But no, yeah. I agree. And not to steer back to it, but to go back God to the damn it. Here we go. <laughs> but I think it's really one of the brilliant things about Ionesco's writing in this play is the specificity of the of the farce, of the farcical movement and stuff yeah. leaves a tremendous amount. Again, I, th I think it's a huge accomplishment for him is that he gives such a wide berth to the theater artists who are going to do his play and realize his play. Well, I'm going to give them this much stuff and now yeah. they can play with these moments. Yeah. So a director has a time to go, okay, well, we know you're coming in this door and we're going to have you coming in this door and you're going to be carrying a chair here. So, you know, what's this moment about? And, you know, it allows, especially in the chairs where the space work and talking to the character, the invisible yeah. characters, oh my gosh. which is, you know, another, like I, I, again, I saw that one production that was just really well done. Like, and he does the, the joke about, Oh, a, the, like, I think it's the third or fourth group of people come in. They're all taller. So they have to start looking mm. up and they have to start like uh. adjusting their movement. Um, that kind of specificity is, is fun. And it allows so much, so much room for, for finding things and this well, is a play about finding things like you, you all three of us will re-encounter this play in 10 15 20 years and we'll go oh this is fucking totally different than how i had it in my head for some so many years sure you know because of our experiences and and because it's a dense dense play that isn't easily broken down you know no. we, we can have you know, sort of general thoughts and feelings about things but um Nobody really knows. And I don't know if if he knew he wasn't going to tell you what it what it was. And I think that yeah. that's brilliant. It's like Bob Dylan has n will not ever discuss any one of his songs. It's not up to him to tell you. I wrote the song. Go experience the th the song, the How thong. Go experience the thong. <laughs> thong <laughs> experience the thong, thong, thong. thong. That's for last week for Let International Masturbation Day. Very good, <laughs> Cisco, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> I, the other thing that I enjoyed about the script too is um, how many plays are there where the lead characters are 94 and 95 years old? Right. 
Yeah. You know, it was cool. Usually that's like I the, the only older characters that popped in my head immediately was like Chekhov. And they're always like the sad maid or butler right. that's been around forever. Right. Yeah. No, it's, this, you know, and they go like they go yeah. hard, like yeah. no stopping at all. There's no bricks. This to and be taken. Bald Soprano both gave me also a little bit of Happy Days vibes. Mm, very right. Much, the couple. Yeah. The, uh, watching a couple uh, and their interactions with each other and the fact that they've been together a certain amount of time uh, and how that uh, creates a different chemistry uh, or a different chemical makeup, if you will. Yep. Um, and uh, I just had happy days kind of playing through my mind through this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Which is interesting. Uh, Can, what well, else? Yeah. I was just going to bring up um, the name that he calls her, Semi Semiramis. Oh, I looked that up myself. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a queen, it's it's a, a queen from ancient uh, Assyrian myth. She's well, she was and the a real founder person. of Babylon. Right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So there's there's a sorry. Lot. Did I step on your toes? No, no. It it was just it was complicated because she was a real life person, but then she was also written as a myth, like. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like the, the, you know, the tombstone, you know, those old Western dudes, you know, became heroes in, in trade paperbacks and stuff, but they were real people, but right. they weren't, but the, the, that she distinctly has a name that he calls her, but it doesn't go the other way around. He, she doesn't call him. I mean, she, she does a whole bunch of, you know, cutesy names, you know, pet names, little darling and things like that. Mm -hmm. that are interesting. Um, I, I also was really dug the scene where she starts getting horny and flirting with the dude, <laughs> like, because it, it, he's very clear. Her character should completely change. She should go from an old woman that she starts making sexual noises that she's, that she's clearly coming on to him. Um, I just thought that was fucking amazing that you're given that kind of stuff. Well, it's, I, it was also a juxtaposition, too, because I felt like at the same time, the old man was coming on to Belle. But mm -hmm. it was in a completely different way. It was in like a romantic, sweet, compliment. Yeah, yes, yeah. Instead of like hypersexual and kind of aggressive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there anything else we wanted to say about this one? Uh, this, I, You know, these are three very... Even though there's a lot of similarities here with Bald Soprano, it's still a very different play. Very different. Agreed. Totally Agreed. very, very different. Very yeah. different. And Rhinoceros even more so. Mm -hmm. I think, right? yeah, I mean, I think he's, again, we like to talk about the evolution of playwrights. Bald Soprano has sort of got this sort of central nugget of an idea that he builds around. Yeah. Here you can feel him starting to layer more things on, both philosophically, yeah. theoretically. Things get a little bit more Freudian in this one. Yes. Um, uh, like, uh, she's got like the line. Jungian, because he was kind of anti-Freud. Right. Well, mm. yes, yes. He's sort almost psycho even, like, commenting on Freud, like right. anti-Freud, yeah. Because um, there's the line, I, I know, I know, sons always abandon their mothers, and they more or less kill their fathers. Uh, life is like that, but I, I suffer from it, and the others, they don't. Right. <laughs> well, and he, it's you know, I think he, he's got a lot of little poke funs at psychoanalysis and, and, and Freudism and, and things like that uh, that I fucking love. Uh, but this third play 
is six years later. This was only two years after Bald Soprano. So you can feel some similarities, but very different person two years later. He's he's writing about some some new things. But then you get six to eight years later, right? What mm-hmm. year did we find? Is it 58, 59, 60, something like that? It, it, it I think appears, 60 was the first production. I think 60 was Paris. the first English production. That's what I thought. Get, I thought 59. Shut up. <laughs> Boo. Whatever. Boo. I'm right. You're wrong. I'm. I'm sure. Agreed. I, I'm sure I, as as is always as is always the case. Jay's <laughs> always right, and she's a slap. Um, slap. 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 Um, <laughs> um, but I want to talk about the 1959, 1960, whatever the fuck play. <laughs> Rhinoceros. CJ. I need you to break it down. Breakdown. All of society is turning into rhinoceri and no one actually cares except Behringer. All anyone can do is argue about details or whether they actually saw the rhinoceri until they themselves transform as well. Well, it, it's, it's Behringer. 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 Okay, no, should we do it again? Behringer. No. Behringer? Uh, I want to point out, Berenger. I'm pretty sure the plural of of rhinoceros can be rhinoceri, rhinoceros, or rhinoceroses. So all three are, are viable for anybody he, who wants to write in and talk shit on the planet. Um, I just thought rhinoceri sounded funny too. It so. sounds nicer. It's yeah. got nice mouth feel. He uses <laughs> rhinoceros. That was last week, Bailey. It also has nice butt feel. <laughs> butt feel. Um, <laughs> this week. <laughs> Lube and wine. That's all I need. Um, really? That's it. That's it. Um, and romance. And romance. Oh God. Berenger. Berenger. But, but you're right, CJ. It is kind of. It, this one is a little bit more pinpoint than the other two. Like it's very much trying to say one thing, and it feels very much like a answer to Nazism. Uh, it feels very much like you're watching all of these people sort of sort of go oh, well isn't that crazy what is it they keep saying what a thing what a thing what is it they what say a thing. yeah yeah it's something um what a thing what a thing to see or like wh- whatever it is oh i can't find somebody tell me i'll find it somewhere um but every time the rhinoceros comes out they're all just sort of like huh what a thing! What a thing to see right so there. They argue about what they looked like or how many there were. If it was the same one, this was there one horn or two horn? Was it Asiatic or was it exactly. African? Or African or is it Asiatic? It yeah. reminded me of, and I think I could say this about any Republican president that I've ever paid attention to is, especially W. I think about it, and then of course way more so with Trump, is people talking about like we're not going in a good direction right now. Anti-Semitism, like uh, being hard on Muslims, starting wars, blah blah blah. This is sounding an awful lot like we're moving towards fascism. And then there's this whole group of people that are like, why don't you just calm down? How dare you say Hitler and Nazis? And it's like, I mean, that's what the feel I got from this the whole time. Like, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. Yeah, I think he. I think he's inspired directly by not just specifically Nazism, but he saw the rise in fascism. And again, we see it again and a fucking again and again and a fucking again and again and a fucking again. And this, this nationalism, this doping nationalism that takes people. And I think it's, American nationalism 
dumbfounds me. Well, you, you're not the you're not the native people of this land. You can't you can't scream. You make America great again. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like at least right. fucking Romanians and Germans. Like you could theoretically fucking argue at least have some claim to the homeland. But even it's just stupid. And and you know and it, it and it becomes affected by. All these things and all uh, economic situations that are all try always trying to be put in place by these assholes and power. That's what we're seeing, you know, today. And if you don't dig our politics, go fuck yourself. I think I speak for everybody here. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. Yes. But this Guys, idea, I had to flaw. I had to f uh, restrict a, a listener actually because they oh. were sending us uh, things on Instagram. I'll send you guys the screenshots, but basically just over and over. Please, y'all, we want you to engage with us, but don't send me political shit that I'm not going to agree with. Right, one hundred percent. I mean, right. that's about. That's this account had been sending like really great theater memes and like Tennessee Williams specific stuff recently, and like to mm -hmm. all this really great stuff. And I was sort of engaging and being like, "This is great." And then all of a sudden, like the last four posts I got were like, "See how." isn't it crazy that we canceled Dr. Seuss and we didn't get world peace? Fucking liberals. And I was like, whoa. What is that? How is that a theater person? It, well, they're not. They're like a literature person who said they're a fan of the pod. And, and, and I, it doesn't matter. We're not going to give them any more space here. But I just, it was just sort of like, I'll send you all this. I'll send, I'm sure they'll send hate the this one then. <laughs> send it, send I'll it. send you the receipts. But you're right, Scott. It's it's 100. It's it's it, it's these. There's... It's it's the other. It's yeah. we, it, we we it's and that's the next step that humans need to take. Yeah. Is that there aren't others anymore. That that's a fallacy. We know Especially that now. with the and, internet. With the yeah, internet, right? and, and COVID has proved it. The, the Earth has become significantly smaller in the past 50 years. Yeah. In, in because of the internet, because of travel, because of the ability to get from one place to another, that's why we have COVID. So yeah. we're all in it together. Get over your fucking selves. Get over whatever you think your fucking thing is and accept people uh, different than you. And we won't have these wars and, and you know, conformity. CJ and I were talking about it, you know, that I, I didn't feel like this was a play about individuality so much as uh, a play against conformity, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that was a great way to put it. He's, you know, he, and we should say that Beranger is a, a character that repeats throughout several of, of Ionesco's plays. He is sure. the, the everyman, schlop, you know, schlep loser kind of guy. Yeah. Burger. <laughs> Tom Berenger. Tom Berenger. Tom he, was Berenger. In, he, was, he, was, he was in Platoon. Like the cheap wine that I get? <laughs> Berenger. It's a red. It's, it's a white Dan. It just says red. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Um, but whatever. Um, but yeah, I... I, I, I yeah, I'm sorry. I, I lost my thought. But You're so hot, Scott. <laughs> Thanks. I try. I miss you. <laughs> oh, I miss you so much. We're going to start recording in person after this, I think. Yeah. yeah. We're going to have to. This is yeah. crazy. No. We're vaxxed. I'm vaxxed. I am. I'm vaxxed. I am vaxxed. Hey, get vaccinated, vaxxed. guys. But <clears throat> there's definitely a side of this. Cut out that cough. Don't. Double it. I, um, there's definitely the, oh, like. Taking notes. Take, take that note. Uh, 
totalitarianism, right? That's I'm just going to throw out that word. I don't have much more to say about it, but it definitely has that kind of feel. It's definitely uh, that's what the world kind of feels like that we're in, this sort of alternate reality. Um, but the question that kind of gets brought up by the play is like, how could we allow Nazism to happen? Or how could we allow rhinoceroses to terrorize the town? This is how we just kept sort of arguing about it and watching it happen and not doing anything for real and seeing people, other people turn into rhinoceroses slash Nazis. That's kind of the best analog that I mm -hmm. could find was it's like this idea of like watching these people around you turn into the thing that you, that is terrorizing you. And then at some point you just sort of finding it beautiful enough to fall into it as well, because that's what you're surrounded by. And he does, he, he starts becoming a rhino. Yeah. You know, and it's 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 what we watch people in the Midwest specifically is what I think about these people who um, probably if they were surrounded by the kind of people we're surrounded by in L.A. would be mm -hmm. thinking very much leftist and whatever. But they're actually centrist. But then they are surrounded by far right people Hate. and then they start to fall into that because right. they go well i guess that's the truth because more people are saying it and it's, I, it's not even i, I don't even know people are kind of sheep but they're also just like i think in the wrong place and i well, don't they don't want to stick them. out too because there's this weird thing in my hometown too and i think it's because it's so small and there's such a lack of diversity that the people in my town and people in small towns and people in the midwest will find somebody to make an other yeah. so that they can feel safe in their own little group. Yeah. Right. It's the look you get when you walk into a diner or a restaurant in a small fucking town and yeah. you're clearly not from there and you get that fucking look. It's because it's it's because peer pressure is is huge and it's huge all the way through life and we never get over it. And and to challenge I think that that's one of the things that UNESCO, you know, despises so much is that uh, you know what's the fucking line uh, uh baron j says solitude seems to oppress me and so does the company of other people it's this idea that that others are harmful to us mm -hmm. and and i you know i think he he takes a, a darker sociological look at it i i, I i'm a little bit more hopeful in general but what he's talking about in the play is the path to get there and how easily because you notice that daisy the daisy doesn't become one she's kind of against it she's kind of indifferent to it right until mm -hmm. she gets into a fight with him and then when she disagrees with him about something else then she's like eh, i'll go i'm just gonna go ahead and go ahead and become a rhinoceros because why not? Everyone else is doing it. Everyone else is doing it. It seems like yeah. they seem happy. Yeah. <laughs> but um, this, I, I've never seen a, a production of this and I would love to uh, because I actually have some fun. I have a fun question for you guys after my tiny story. Um, I This was in my major dramatist book and it was a big uh, just book of plays that would have pictures from different productions in it of all of the plays they were talking about and all I, and I, I guess it would be Jean cause Jean is the one that we see basically change. Yeah. He goes through the transformation. Yeah. And it was, it was a whole, it was a big book. Uh, and by the way, if you don't know what the major dramatist book is, you probably didn't go to theater school in the last like 
10 years because <laughs> that's all they hand to you now they're yeah. just like here like, well and i mine was god oh god that was almost 20 years ago when i got that yeah, book man, I had oh shit so um but there is well, a they've been whole... making them since the 60s i think yeah it's a great book ahead, um yeah. it's a whole picture and it is jean because he's in pajamas in it and it's a whole page of this man black and white picture and he's mid-change and he's just got this crazy his eyes are wide and he's like mid-scream in the picture yeah and that's what i've always associated with this play was that picture and i was like i gotta fucking see that sometime yeah, oh, shit. yeah. so my question for y'all was it's such okay so to have all these eventually like obviously in the first scene you get the sound and you get the dust and you get the reaction to the rhinoceri running through town but then at the end you're actually seeing them well my small little brain only envisions people with like those safari hunting trophies that's like a rhinoceros head on a wooden plate how do you do what would your guy's idea be to make this cool like what would you do to make the rhinoceroses look cool on stage or interesting or whatever well like how I said, would you the, represent them the product one of the productions that i saw used used a lot of projections and then some mm. really great um just fake heads and masks and stuff you're also not you, you only kind of get glimpses of them like they're watching them from a window so mm. like you'll have like like they have the one where the horn comes across and it's got what's his name's hat on it and that's how they figure out it's 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 him mm-hmm. um and, and so those like are kind of coming across from you he writes he writes this for a specific type of proscenium you know space clearly um, yeah but yeah, you yeah. could you could do all kinds of stuff with it but it's a big show. Like you can't do a minimal version of the show. You could potentially, but then you just have a lot of people standing around pretending like they're seeing rhinoceroses and um, it's not great. Now you have to put some money and work into it. I think to, to really get the, the full effect of it and you have to, you know, a lot of the actors just to lose their fucking minds too. Yeah. I think if I was going to, take it on directorially i if i felt the need to show it fully at any point i would try to get without going to lion king puppetry with it i would just try to get as anatomical as possible with things that aren't actually um that aren't actually not boon rock not not like that but like Mm. i just mean aesthetically like um maybe make it out of something else make it out of junk or something you know things Mm. that aren't actually whatever because then because then it also makes you go like wait what are is this even a rhinoceros like what is this thing mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. i think making it as as literal as possible maybe even detracts from it a little bit i don't know i i've never i seen would this. hire a rhinoceros i have seen the movie i would hire a rhinoceros <laughs> um his name would be frederick and we'd be best friends he'd wear a small hat there uh there is a zero mustel zero mustel who originated it on broadway mm-hmm. when they brought it to new york uh the same role uh and gene wilder gene Wild- right after uh, the producers i think they did it they That's basically awesome. did it because they only cast gene out of because he had done so well in the producers with zero but they felt like ah this isn't really a role for him but he does it well he plays the drunk very well he plays 
the sort of lost. I mean, he does it in Blazing Saddles. He, he does, does it yeah. In other and then, things. And the in Schleppy. He does it in Willy Wonka. <laughs> it's kind of his bag. Yeah. I do. I do have one rant about it that I read. The Cumberbatch did it. I mm. think casting Benedict Cumberbatch in that role is the most weird, wrong fucking thing. He is a fop. You yeah. know, like he's, and a dragon. He's he is, and but he's <laughs> he's a gentleman. He's he's a sharp, put together dude, and that's not who he is. He needs to be a little schleppy. He needs to be a little bit more everymanny. And Benedict Cumberbatch is anything but everymanny. He's Doctor Fucking Strange. Yeah, he's he a is. Marvel hero. <laughs> I, no, I love true. him. Don't he's get me wrong. Sherlock I'm not Holmes. disparaging him as a performer. I'm disparaging the casting. Right. Um, decisions like a great actor is a great actor and can go a long way, but that doesn't yep. mean that the casting is good or appropriate. Yeah, be interesting to see. Um, the movie uh cuts a lot, um, obviously, as you do when you make a movie out of a play, usually, but it, it's you know, I sometimes I like to sit with the script while the movie's on just to see how much is different. And it's like, yeah. I couldn't even follow. Huh. So I was like, oh shit, you're jumping around, you're skipping huge chunks. Um, way less rhino in the movie than there is in the stage really? version, which is interesting. That and is interesting. they had even uh, discussed, um, or like it passes less times is what I mean. Um, they even discussed getting a real rhino at one point for it, and they didn't. Um, I think it's like an animatronic, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. like Jaws or whatever, but <laughs> or just something that moves. It's probably just like a fucking bull machine you know those bull riding machines mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. probably just one of those with a mechanical fucking rhino bull. skin on it mechanical, mechanical. <laughs> i'm i'm from a place where i should know mechanical bull and i went you know those bull riding things those bull machines <laughs> the machine that's a ball <laughs> that you ride like it's mechanical or something um what else well, Rhinocorus. I, yeah, I was just going to bring up like there's a lot of little things that pop up throughout that yeah. are associated with the rise of fascism, the stuff that we've talked about uh, as a country a lot. I got a good quote for that, too. Um, Throw it yeah, at me. Um, Botard in Act 2 says, uh, I never believe journalists. They're all liars. I don't need them to tell <laughs> me what to think. I, I believe what I see with my own, my own speaking, uh, with my own eyes, speaking as a former teacher. I'd like things to be precise, scientifically valid. I've got a methodical mind you know it's it's the assumption and everybody has this it's 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 the whole idea of you know cognitive dissonance you know it, where where people just shut down when the truth is being put in front of them like going i had an experience just recently where i'm like no brother you're wrong like i i've, I've got emails that show you're wrong nope i wasn't wrong and the more that you try to force it, the more that they'll double down on it. Yep. Yeah. And it happens again and again and again. And those things are dangerous. And they're very dangerous for a democracy. Uh, mm -hmm. They're very dangerous to uh, human freedoms and human rights. Um, and it, it can slip away so easily. And Ionesco, he went back and forth between two countries who <laughs> both lost to the fascists. And then lost to the communists for a while. At least for Romania. You know, he couldn't go back for a long time after the um, Russians took over. Um, Fucking Russians. My, my, my favorite quote, I think it's a Daisy line. Um, it was, we must, CJ, we must move with the times. Those were his last human words. Oh, yeah, wow. <laughs> wow. Damn, Eugene. Yeah, there's... Um, 
and there's just stuff that the the prop crops up all the way through and and this sort of uh, the one thing that's interesting is Berenger's journey so early on he uh, in the first scene um he says something like, you know, uh, I would never have crossed my mind or something like that. And Jean says, uh, you have no mind. And he says, all the more reason why it would never have entered into it. He kind of goes <laughs> from this, like, oh, I don't, you know, whatever, you know, this sort of brushing it off kind of thing to recognizing that what's happening around him is horrific and that yeah. he's not going to surrender to it. He won't give into it. Uh, and, and so when you make, when you make a, a you know, an everyman, you know, not hero character do the heroic thing. You know, we were talking, I meant to jump in earlier, Bailey, when you, you were talking about, you know, people in the Midwest and, and what they're exposed to, and most of them are centrist. And it's the dark side of the force. You know, it's, it's as described by Lucas. Is the dark side stronger? No, but it's quicker, it's easier, it's more seductive. And yeah. for most people trying to live with their day-to-day -day lives and try to survive in their day-to-day -day lives, oftentimes taking that easier, more seductive path is just easier. Why do I have problems? It's somebody else's fault. It's a big deal to stand up and go, I'm not going to do this. It's like, you know, I'm no fan of Liz Cheney, but what she's been dealing with recently, and by the time this hits, you know, they may have already voted, you know, to remove her from committees and shit. But right. standing up to her fellow conservatives and going, the future of our party cannot be Donald Trump. It cannot be. And she is getting fucking shut down because they're all cowards and because she's it's easier satan's to, daughter and she's satan daughter like I, i'm like i said i'm not a fan but at least no i know i know at least there's a, a degree of moral compass that's trying to be followed and i i don't know if you can say that for a lot of others because it's easier it'll be easier until he he, he dies or gets in, in jail and then you know he'll break loose again yeah. Well, but then he's an angel, and they'll still vote oh for his soul. Oh, my God. Um, let's get off that. I, <laughs> yes, please. Because here's the Thank thing. You. This is this kind of leads to the question, though, because this play is pretty on the nose about what it's saying. It, we go from two plays that are almost w one play that I would argue is, uh, I mean, sometimes completely inconceivable about what he's trying to say, what he's trying to do. And another play that you really have to dig for the meaning, but that it's there, it's just, you really gotta think about it. And then these play, this play, is it too simple? Is it his I, I, easiest I, one? I think in a lot of ways, I think that the, you know, the, the complexity is in the details. It's all in the, you know, the fact that you have the logician in the first, that first scene clearly spelling out things that are not logical. It's 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 the representation of each of those characters in a bigger societal picture that are interesting. Like I found that the two characters that I was most drawn to, at least as from an acting perspective, was was Botald and Dudaud, and like their debates and 
first of all, the language is fantastic and it's it's hilarious yeah. when it's played right and and all that. But there's a lot of like really detailed little things that you know, it's one of those plays. I had a professor of mine, the professor I think who introduced me to to UNESCO was like, you know, it's it's again, it's one, of, it's like Godot. You, you you're going to come back to it again and again, and you're going to find different things again and again. You know, I noticed yeah. that when I read it this time, I was sort of keenly focused on this idea of fascism because I remember there was a group, it was there was a whole flood of productions that happened starting in 2016 2017 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and how appropriate they were and how it it cycles through you know we said the same thing about Hansberry sometimes you know a great playwright will hit a great play that hits its time and place right on the fucking nose but then the cycle allows it sometimes tragically like in you know raisin in the sun it's tragic that we're still having this stupid fucking conversations about race and and uh, politics and, 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 and economics and and all that um and this is the same thing but i think the difference here is is that between world war ii and now that this has this play can be fed into all kinds of scenarios from Malaysia yeah. to the Philippines to South America yes. to Eastern Europe. It just keeps repeating itself yeah, and we don't absolutely. seem to know the lesson. And I think Ionesco is part of his life's philosophy was the frustration about that. Why can't human beings take this next step and sort of recognize this absurdity and you can laugh at it and learn from it and then take a step to it. But like, it's made me think I sat and I finished this. I did it in two settings. And I, when I finished it, I really thought about what am I willing to do? Where would I put myself to stop something from that, like that from happening again? Yeah. We didn't quite yeah. get there with Trump. It was, everything was always on the verge. There were some things like you know, the border crisis and, and that sort of thing that were horrific and harmful to people. Well, but it's we still there. All the way. It's still there, but it, I mean, now we're doing something about it. I'm just saying the Trumpism, right? you know, which would, you know, probably have us in jail, you know, for all intents and purposes. Right. Artists that might have a political bent, we would be the first. As a matter of fact, there's, you know, lists and websites that, you know, find the artists and fucking kill the artists first. Because that's that's who's going to make a loud noise about shit. Sorry, mm-hmm. <laughs> didn't mean to be damper. The bitch is is that this art. is insanely entertaining play. Like you know, even you know, it really the, is. It, it's a and really the language is, is. You talked about this, but the language is fantastic in it, right? It's and it's he's writing post Joyce, who is sort of the master of of English language at the time or of language at the time in general. And um, which I had read a story that Ionesco taught himself English at one wow. point, but he was learning, he was using this method. I can't remember the method where you yeah, just write yeah. out sentences over and over again. And, that's um, how he, and at he, one point he went, I'm not fucking learning and had to like take real lessons. But he, but he, that was the uh, basis of Bald out. Soprano. Was right. Those exactly. Was how and... silly that was. I love that. And he, um, uh, I, I just, I think he's sort of responding and Beckett was too, to this idea of like early on, especially with bald soprano, he's responding to language being so held up in this, 
especially in in European culture, but like James Joyce. We're talking about language, Shakespeare, language, mm -hmm. right? It's whatever. But then Beckett and Ionesco were both going like, but mostly Beckett, like, okay, well, what about like tension? What about mm -hmm. like thought? <coughs> Bless, Bless you. Um, yes. What about like stage picture? What about like tone? What about atmosphere? You know, and that, that transcends language. That transcends language, and especially in theater, they start to do that. And, but I really love that he's able to then come back 10 years later and write a play that is very language based mm -hmm. and very, um, and I don't mean in the way that Bald Soprano is, where it's a language farce and it's playing with language. I just mean like it's a well written play, mm -hmm. it's a well written dialogue. Yeah, and it's it gets there's non sequiturs. It's absurd. It's silly, but it's also like a well pieced together uh, play. I don't, I don't know how well, else to and, say and, that. And, and, stupid, and it, because just... it's a it, it's a comedy and it's a farce, and like you can see like there's a direct line between like this and um, um, like Doctor Strangelove popped into my head, which is yeah. you know a funny take on the possibility of nuclear war you know and there were you know gentlemen you can't fight in here this is the war room yeah that's that's an right. ionesco line that you know they they took yeah, and put really, in that truly. movie or like um jojo rabbit has that vibe too jojo mm, rabbit does um life of brian which is maybe yeah. one of the best satires of religion ever you know there's the whole scene where he falls kind of falls into the crowd thing and he has to end up preaching and he does the whole lily in the field thing you consider the birds what birds i don't know any birds why well the birds they get along uh, don't they yeah why why yeah. are you mad at the birds i'm not mad at the birds <laughs> it's just, and it's like and it becomes this whole thing you know it's like um it, it's 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 brilliant in a way that my mind could never create but i'm glad yeah. that he's creating it <laughs> And it's the ability to do both that makes genius, in my opinion. It's like, it's like, you know, when people talk about Shakespeare being, could have been multiple people because there's no way he could have had, he could have known the experiences of all those different kinds of people, which I, whether you believe that or not, no big deal. Who cares? I don't care. I don't know either way. I have no beliefs on whether Shakespeare was one right. person or a collective. I think it was probably written by the collaborative people making the shows each time. And he was just the one writing it all down and being sort of the guider of it. I don't know. But, it, but we talk about a lot of the argument against him being one person is he could not have understood so many different types of ways of life. He could not have been able to walk in that many types of shoes of Royal, of low class, of clown, of, of lawyer, of whatever it may be. Um, but I think that's actually what makes that's genius, genius is yeah, absolutely the ability I mean, to step into other shoes and, and talk about it. It's like, you know, talking about when Einstein well, and make them human, make them, and make them like human. the person watching it. Right. Right. You know, it's like the yeah. Einstein, you know, talking about him clicking into the theory of relativity. It wasn't him cranking numbers on a, on a chalkboard. He sat down and he, he saw it. He saw it in a way that no other human had seen it, but he understood the numbers enough, had done his work enough, do the work, and 
and was able to sort of transcend and and go to that place you know it's like what i talked about in the in part one when we were talking about his biography and ionesco having this day where he's just walking in the sun and all of a sudden he felt moved and then he comes back to earth and he's like oh this sucks you know it's that glimpse whatever that moment was where he saw this world that's just this better world that's just out of reach yeah that's a genius um and it's not something that's your genius isn't you know definable you know people talk about like the fact that prince has like maybe as much as as many as 30 unreleased albums sitting in his vault that's crazy like how did he do that you know frank zappa did released made 132 albums before he died at age 50 132 full-length albums like there's they're just minds that are work better than us and when we can connect to them and you know true genius is being able to share those and mm-hmm. I think that that's what Beckett and Ionesco and you know all of you know, the great playwrights and and that we that we've talked about on this show do. They're able to give it to us. They're able to demonstrate it. You know, it's the quote that I I said early on. You know, theater theater isn't literature. It is simply the only way to tell the story. There is no right. other way to tell it. And, to get and the, absurdism is, is a way of dealing with the already absurd things in our current world yeah you know i mean i sometimes it's there's a clarity in in rhinoceros that you just don't see in other fucking things yeah i think everyone needs to read rhinoceros it's phenomenal uh we got some other things we need to do on this podcast though are we down to move on to them yeah yes okay specifically uh there's this thing that i really love wait what is that Bailey loves ranking shit. I do. <laughs> I love ranking shit. So we're going to rank these things. We're going to kill some darlings real quick. Uh, I'm going to go first because I never go first. Here we go. Hmm. Yes. Number three. The chairs. Hmm. Number two, rhinoceros. Hmm. And number one, the bald soprano. Now, I know that was his first one. I'm kind of madly in love with it. I have a lot of ideas for it as a director, uh, and I've already started making a folder for it. So I like it. <laughs> I like it a lot. I like language. I like farce. I like language farce. I like that he shits all over things. I like the Bobby Watson stuff. That's it. That's all I like. <laughs> CJ. Three, the chairs. Two, rhinoceros. One, bald soprano. Hey. Way the same. <laughs> All right. I've Got literally it. went back and forth all day about this, like crossing yeah. things out, but this is my list. Okay. <clears throat> Number three is the chairs. We all agree. We all agree. We're all on the same page. Yes. It's great. It's fantastic. It, it is might, great. It might be the one I most wanted to direct. Sure. Like, I don't, I'd like I don't to see myself. I, I wouldn't ever see myself. Well, maybe I would. I don't know. But anyway, uh, number two, the Bolt Soprano. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. I just have to go with rhinoceros because I think it's it's bigger. You can see that the step that he took is a bigger story that we're that's still impactful today. Not that the bald soprano isn't. I think that there's philosophical things. I love them all. I'm not I'm not disparaging anyone, but that's going to be my list. So I'm going rhinoceros number one. Yeah. I dig it. Yeah. I mean. 
it, my switch back and forth was chairs and and rhinoceros. I couldn't decide which one was number two, but I think you're right. Rhinoceros just it has it has that other level of it being more of a play, mm-hmm. less of an anti-play. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> so right. I feel like as an audience member, I would appreciate it more maybe than the chairs. Whereas the chairs, I just want to work on. Mm-hmm. I just want to be a part of it. You know. Right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, y'all, do you have any? Dr- 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 Dream rolls. <laughs> That's some great shit, Bailey. Thanks. I'm really funny. <laughs> I um I'll tell you what, I would love to do any of the roles in Bald Soprano. Yeah. I would love to play all those dudes. I also think it might the Bald Soprano would be a trip to fucking do some gender swapping with. Like, right? Mm-hmm. Like I would love or to just play like any cast of it completely gender blind. Yeah, yeah. just put oh, people yeah. in there. All yeah. kinds of because I would like love to play nine. either of those women. It would be a fucking blast. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And then I, uh, I think Beranger isn't quite right for me, but I do love a lot of those parts in there, specifically uh, Dudard and um, or Botard and Dudard in um, the Rhinoceros. I would love to tackle Berenger. <laughs> Berenger. Oui. Berenger. Uh, I think that's the that's the one that I while I was reading it, I was just like, fuck, I want to do this guy. Like this is good. You and I may do, not be you, super right for it, but it'd be fun. You could you could pull you could pull that off really cool. I think it'd so. Be really too. Cool. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. And then um one day I want to be the old man in the chairs. Mm. That's yeah. so fun. What a fucking stupid, awesome, fun show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I just want to direct Bald Soprano. I don't want to be in I want to direct it. Uh, yeah. Siege? Uh, I put Mrs. Smith and Mrs. Wilson down for Bald Soprano. Who's Although, Mrs. Wilson? Is, God, wait, the, the second one. Martin. Wait. Mrs. Martin. I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm so stuck on the whole Wilson thing. You're probably thinking of Bobby Watson. <laughs> maybe maybe but but agreed like i i loved all the roles in that i mean to be quite honest i've i've kind of been built to play like bumbling maids too i've done a lot of stuff like that (laughs) but um also um i really like berenger yeah i mean well in the play your daisy yes i love it i love it well and then um i Lawrence olivier played him Mm-hmm. Which oh, wow. I mean, every time I think of Lawrence Olivier, I think of um, I only think of Zeus and Clash of the Titans. But yeah, the the first English language one was Olivier and Joan Plowright. I think and of yeah. whatever Orson Lawrence right. Lawrence and Orson Welles directed. That's right. That's oh, right. right. But I I just remember thinking like I mean he's a theater person. Theater people are great at transforming into different roles. But that would have been a fun thing to see Lawrence Olivier. Play. Whenever mm-hmm. I think of Lawrence Olivier, I think of his Richard the Third movie. Mm-hmm. Really good. He's really great in that. He's really good his Hamlet that. is pretty extraordinary too. But more yeah. for the direction than right, right. I mean he's great in it, but he's great. But and then, uh, cool. Yeah. What else? We got to do some LA Spotlight. We forgot to do that last time. I don't think we had anything, but do you guys have no, any? No, I, I snuck one in last time. Yeah, I oh, do. That's right. 
LA Spotlight. Uh, yeah, I just want to give a shout out to SB805. Uh, you can follow that on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it's basically an amendment to AB5 in the state of California. Um, so if you are in the state of California, not just in Los Angeles, but anywhere in the state of California, and you support small theater, um, please uh, contact your representative. Uh, they're going to be voting on it soon, but basically it could change um, the whole landscape of how small theater is financed and works um, and people could get paid money <laughs> to actually what? do theater and perform and work in theater um, wow. in a way that uh, it hasn't been possible before. Yeah, it's a rare thing where... What a thing. When um, unions and um, individual producers and artists and companies and organizations are all coming together going, yeah, let's do this and solve a lot of people's problems. Um, so check out SB805 in the state of California, no matter where you're listening. Yeah. Send an email, uh, give a tweet, um, and it, it'll go a long way. Um, also, uh, just keep an ear out. Um, fringe is starting to rev up and fingers crossed and vaccines inserted into arms. Uh, a live uh, Hollywood Fringe Festival um, could be happening in August uh, here in Los Angeles. So that's the big stuff that I have. Pew! Good times, y'all. You got anything else to say about Ionesco? You guys feel good? No, I think, you know, it's 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 always a treat to re rediscover. I think we were talking about it on part one of this. You know, the glory of discovering new playwrights and playwrights that you don't know, but going back and rediscovering ones. And Ionesco is one of those ones that kind of fell into, oh, that was college stuff. Right. Like, nobody does this and anything. But, like, I've... It, it's rare that I've seen anybody not go see like the bald soprano and walk away with a, not a smile on their face. Even if you don't get what the fuck's going on and you probably don't, nobody really does. It's the joy of the ride is pretty fucking intense. So yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I spent a little more time with him. Uh, yeah. I mean, I almost all of these playwrights we covered, I haven't spent nearly enough time with them. So this was a good one. I will say um, I had a really hard time reading these plays. It took me forever to get through each and every one of them. Oh, wow. um, but in a way that as I was reading it, I was like, this would be balls awesome on stage. Like I want to see them now yeah. that I've read them. Yes. Bald Soprano was a quick read for me. The other two, yeah, were a little bit more, I was like, ooh, okay. Yeah, just, repetition isn't as fun to read as it is to watch. True, right. true, true, true. Too, yeah. too, true, true. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know, I, I'm excited for our curtain call at the end of this season where we rank all of the playwrights from this season because mm. I this one threw a big wrench in my rankings I've been creating. All right. Because uh, I just didn't expect to like them as much as I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know, honestly. right, right. Uh, and now I, I want to go and like reread Exit the King and read some of the, the other ones that I've never read. Read so. the lesson. It's interesting. It's doing some of the great. same things okay. as Bell's yeah. Sopranos. Jack or The Submission uh, is good. Um, I have a couple handy too if you want to use my best. Right. Throw them at our faces. <laughs> um, and we'll use them. Thank you for joining us for part two in the finale of Rhinocercast. Uh, join us next week. We will be having another bonus episode of Theater, Theater, and Stuff, which is a Scott pick. Mm -hmm. Scott, what is it? We're going to be talking about Eric Bogosian's 1987 play, Talk Radio, and the subsequent film by Oliver Stone, 
titled Talk Radio as well, comparing and contrasting the two and talking about um, how how and if it has endured uh, in yeah. its uh, commentary. I might actually watch it a third time, the movie, mm. before we get into it. I, mm. I I have a lot to say about this movie. I have a lot mm-hmm. of thoughts about it, but it's so mm-hmm. quick. He says so much, and you're just mm-hmm. like, okay, I gotta, I gotta soak it all in. Bugosi is a fucking dreamboat, by the way. I want to touch that guy so hard. <laughs> um, but then after that, after the next bonus episode, we go back into our normal playwright excavation. That's a bad word. Um, <laughs> uh, but our next playwright mini series is covering the amazing and late uh, re- of recent date, uh, Terrence. McNally with Pod Together Cast Apart. <laughs> or another good one. here's another one. Or Love Valor Podcast. Or <laughs> Lips Podgether Teeth A Cast. No, not that one. Okay. So we're going with <laughs> DJ Pod Together like Cast Apart. <laughs> Got it. One of the two. First two. Pod together, cast apart. Uh, and we're really excited to talk about that. I've also uh, done a couple of his shows, and I, I, I'm, ex- I'm just fucking yeah, excited. Yeah, I've got, I got, I got some things to say. We yeah. haven't decided what playwrights we're covering, or what plays we're covering of his, though. So we will let you know on the next bonus episode, uh, mm. and then we'll put it on our socials as well. Siege? Questions, comments, suggestions, corrections. Uh, do you want to say hi? Do you want to tell how great we are? Do you want to tell Bailey how handsome he is and how much you love him? Um, you oh, can, yeah. <laughs> you can email us. You can message us on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. We would love, love, love to hear from you. Scott? Yes, a uh, big shout out to Pamela Quinn for writing our Ionesco-centric song. You're about to hear it. Uh, Pam is the best Uh, also big shout out to Orion Thomas Johnson for writing our theme song our theme song is better than your theme song and we're not uh, sad to say it there it is it's the truth (laughs) Uh, you know who else deals with truth Annie Baker she also (laughs) writes our podcast She, she doesn't necessarily know that but she does and one day Annie Baker we're gonna buy you a beer that's it that's what what kind of beer she likes I don't know would it be funny if it was like Bud Light, Old Milwaukee? I would love it if she was like, I, I drink Give shots of Jack Daniels with a Budweiser chaser. Like <laughs> that would be like so badass. Give me a boiler maker. I like I like good beer farts. Like, <laughs> uh, yes, hi. Uh, I'm Annie Baker, writer of the flick. Can I please have a Steel Reserve? Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, we love her so much. We love y'all so much. Uh, we love this podcast so much. Thanks for a year yeah. of podcasting with us. Yeah. Thanks for 16,000 listens and a bunch of great reviews on Apple Podcasts and on Podcast Addict and, and Spotify and other places. We appreciate y'all a lot. Yeah. You're really cute. Yeah. You got really nice mouths, which <laughs> means... They got really nice buds? Anuses. That's right. Anuses. And nooses. Uh, ain't I? Ain't I? <laughs> That's Rhinoceri, the ain't I? <laughs> Peace out, y'all. We love you so much. Peace. Love. Always wanted to see the lights of Broadway. I always wanted to see the traffic roar. I always wanted to be a part of New York City's great big heart. And now I am. I couldn't ask for... I was that girl.
I'm all of them. I'm trapped in a room full of shadows and not enough light. And soon we will fade away into the walls, into nothingness. And it's a great way to end Ionesco. Peace out, everybody. <laughs> Everyone's changing and they all stay the same. We all stay the same. And we're all insane. But we're okay for now. Soon we're gonna change. Our bodies rearranged. It's all so very strange. We're here, we're there, we're everywhere, and still nowhere. Just handle, please, with care. Before you smash the pieces on the ground, to silence the sound of sense. It's nonsense. Don't look for meaning when you look for meaning. Ignore the screaming, but listen to it too. Remember me and you. We all are gonna change. It's strange.